Check, check. Okay, welcome back to Field Trial Lifestyle. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Jessica. And today we're going to be talking about trainers and whether you should work with a trainer or not. So if you've been engaged or involved in the bird dog world for any period of time, you know that there are pro trainers in this space. And as you're deciding whether to work with them, there are a lot of considerations. I think that one of the first things to consider is, do you want to be the thing that determines how far your dog goes in the bird dog world, right? So everyone, even the experts, all started as new people. And there's this joke where a lot of people are like, you know, you always mess up your first dog. And a lot of that joke comes from the fact that when you start out, the dog doesn't know anything and you don't know anything. The dog probably knows more than you. And so if you don't make the right decisions, your dog's not going to reach their potential. So if you're really focused on getting the best out of your dog, like with any other part of your life, you should probably seek the help of trainers who are the experts in this space. And so if you decide, okay, I'm going to work with a trainer, there's a number of different ways that you could work with a trainer, and we're going to run through a few of them. So when you're looking into training, there's four main types of training that you could embark on. The first one that we're going to talk about is a board and train. And a board and train is when you send your dog to a kennel and they stay there for an extended period of time. And during that time while they're there, the trainer is working with them on the different goals that you might have for your dog. This is kind of a hands-off approach. One benefit to this type of training is that the dog is incredibly focused. They have daily or every other day contact with birds. They're able to stay in shape. And really each day just becomes about their training and nothing else is getting in the way. A drawback to this type of training, of course, is that you are not involved in the process. You're a bit more on the sidelines, getting updates from the trainer, maybe a few videos, um, and really kind of playing catch up once you get back with the dog and um, having to learn what they have learned. Another type of training that you can do is one-on-one -on -one lessons. And so a kennel that we've worked with, you go down to the kennel and your dog is there potentially if they're boarding or maybe you're bringing your dog with you and you can take a lesson together. So you'll learn alongside your dog um, whatever they might need to be working on for that day. And this was really great when we were first starting out, especially because we needed to learn the different types of commands and the different um, ways to navigate your dog and, and really have a deeper understanding of all of the expectations of the dog when they're in the field. Um, a drawback, I suppose, to the one-on-one -on -one lessons is sometimes, you know, depending on how your dog behaves, um, sometimes maybe their performance is different for you than it could be for the trainer when they're by themselves. And it also can be a little bit intense to try to control your dog while also learning how to do the work at the same time. Another type of training that you could try out is a clinic. And a clinic is a condensed amount of training in a short period of time. So say like a week or less. And during the clinics, you're really looking at specific skills like either starting your dog finishing your dog, working on a combination of retrieving or steadiness. 
And one great aspect of clinics is typically you're there with other people who are working on a similar skill. It's really great for developing your community and just having conversation with other people about um, how to navigate different issues. And it also is really wonderful to be able to watch other dogs during the clinics. One drawback to the clinics is that once the clinic is over, it's kind of on you to implement and follow through with the skills. And in addition, because clinics are so short, if any problems arise with your dog during a clinic, it can be a little bit difficult to like approach the problem and try to resolve it in that short period of time um, versus another longer type of training. And lastly, one piece of training that you could try is checking out people online, DVDs, videos on the internet. And those are really beneficial if you're looking to have a little bit more of an independent path or maybe looking to try things on your own at home. I would say that you know, taking things from online can be really great if you have a place to practice and you have access to birds and, you know, the space and the time to be able to put in that work. And of course, one drawback to a DVD or something that you find online is there's not a ton of room to ask questions. Or if your dog starts doing something that isn't demonstrated in the DVD or the video, it can be kind of challenging to know like, okay, what do I do now? All right, so you think through those different methods of training and you choose whichever one makes sense for you and your lifestyle and your dog. But regardless of which one you choose, there are certain things you need to consider. And the first is fit, right? So a lot of time we think about fit between, you know, the training methods and the dog. But also, if you're working closely with this trainer, you need to make sure that their approach to teaching is consistent with your approach to learning. Because if your whole goal is to learn how to, you know, run your dog in field trials or NAVDA, whatever it may be, and you're not connecting with that trainer, it's almost like you're wasting the money if you're not getting any knowledge out of it. Second, you need to figure out if the trainer has a specialty. Now, a lot of these trainers are very spread out. So you may be in a region or part of the country where there's only like one person near you. And let's say you want to do, you know, open all age and field trials, but the closest trainer to you is interested in NAVDA or hunt test. That's not a good fit because the dogs that they're used to getting and the way that they train is for an event that's different than what you're trying to do. And even though the person is close and even though people might like them, if the things that they usually train for are not your goals, it's not a great fit. Next thing they consider is, you know, are you joining a larger community? In some of the cases, we work with trainers who are very local, and so people in our sort of approximate area all know the trainer, and it's great, and they get great reviews. It's a completely different thing to work with someone who's nationally known, right? Like, we did a clinic with a trainer, and they were telling us that essentially they have people who've been to their clinics like all over the United States, so their method is pretty well established. So for example, if you, you know, you needed someone to handle your dog, like let's say, so we live in California, let's say you needed someone to handle your dog at a trial that was in, you know, Wisconsin, if you couldn't make it there. If you're part of a community, 
and you're looking for a pro to handle your dog, all you need to know really is, do you do the such and such method? And if they do, they know all of the commands and all of the approaches, and then you're part of that network. And again, too, like when you travel across the country, you can see these other people, you meet them at clinics, you have a larger network. So that's definitely a benefit for some people who are interested in joining something like that. And then another thing to consider is the age of your dog, right? So let's say, you have a puppy. If you have a brand new puppy and you want to do field trials, the first thing you'll probably do is puppy stakes. And puppy stakes are, you know, they're pretty low stakes for everyone. There's not a ton of requirements for you, the handler. There's not a ton of requirements for the dog. And so even if you don't know what you're doing, essentially you take your dog, you let him go, you walk around, particularly if it's like a walking trial, you walk around, you call them back, and that's it. So you don't really need to know much. And if you're going to those trials, you can stay, you can hang around, you can watch the broke dog stakes, but it's not a huge load on you as the handler. And even through Derby, you know, all you have to do is blank. And we talked a little bit about that in a previous episode, and we'll talk about that more in the future, I'm sure. But it's all pretty simple. You can start at the bottom, and your dog starts at the bottom as well. But if you have a dog who's like two or three and you're just getting into this, you cannot do any of those stakes. You have to start with the broke dog stakes. And the broke dog stakes, there's a lot of things that go on. And, you know, something that happens in pretty much every trial is, you know, you talk to someone and you're like, how'd your brace go? And they're like, oh, something weird happened. It seems like in every brace, in every broke dog trial, pretty much something weird happens. And in those moments, you know, you need to have some sense of what to do, where it's like there's something with your dog and another dog, and there's just a lot of complications and interesting and unique situations in a broke dog trial. And also, people take it very seriously. So, you probably don't want to jump into a broke dog stake as your first trial. So, in that case, working with a pro handler, someone who can take your dog through the broke dog stakes as they start, so your dog will be familiar with how it all works before you are, and so that when you're ready, you have a dog who kind of understands the game a little bit better. And it can be very helpful when you're at a trial to be a participant in the gallery and watch as many braces as possible. So even if your dog is being handled um, by, a, by a pro handler, I mean, they might ask you not to join the brace that your dog is running in because that can kind of distract your dog. But it's really great if you have a chance to get out there and watch as many braces as possible during a trial as well. Okay, just a few more tips to get the most out of your relationship with the trainer based on our experience with a bunch of different trainers. And so I think maybe it's important to say, we've tried all of these different kinds of arrangements and we work with a bunch of different trainers and we've worked with all age American field trainers and hunt test trainers and trainers who are famous online and trainers who do DVDs and trainers who don't do DVDs and trainers who use the collar and trainers who don't use the collar. So we've sort of like had a wide selection of experiences and I would say, Maybe the most important thing, regardless of who you work with, is you need to ask questions. Because again, you're paying this money and you don't want to be in a situation where you spend all this time around someone who spent their career training dogs and you leave and you don't know any more about training dogs. So ask whatever questions you have. And I mentioned this before, I think in a different episode, but try to ask the same questions to different trainers to get a sense of how different people view the same topics. Because... Everyone has a different opinion about derbies. Everyone has a different opinion about wild birds. And do you need them? Do you, like, can you skip that? Whatever it may be. So ask questions, ask the same questions to different people, and start to develop your own understanding. And you need to be open to new ways of thinking. 
it really doesn't work when you start working with a trainer and you have like a fixed mindset about how something should be or shouldn't be because if you're sort of trying to get their expertise and your mind is closed, it just it just doesn't work. And also, if you're just getting into this whole thing, things that might not make sense to you might actually be the right thing to do. So again, open-minded. Uh, last one, don't do things that they tell you not to do. So let's say you're working with a trainer who's like, don't run dogs in derby. If you run your dog in a derby, what's going to happen is you're going to go back to that trainer and your dog's going to do, hypothetically, right? You They say don't run your dog in derby. You run your dog in derby and you bring the dog to the trainer and the dog is, you know, like, you know, busting up birds or doing something wrong. And they're going to say like, did you run this dog in a derby? And you're like, well, yeah. And then as soon as you say that you did the thing that told you not to do, they kind of think you're an idiot. And also... Everything that's wrong after that, they're going to be like, well, that's because you ran derby. That's because you ran derby. So you've just complicated the relationship in a major way. So even if you're like, you know what? I don't think running derby is a big deal. If you're going to work with a trainer, you need to like follow their advice and try not to do anything that doesn't make sense to them. Because also, their whole method to training a lot of time is based around the do's and the don'ts. So We've worked with trainers who are like, you definitely need to take your dog and get him on wild birds. That's the most important part of making this training make sense. We've also worked with trainers who are like, I don't know about wild birds. I had a couple of dogs a few years ago. I took them on wild birds and all they wanted to do was chase, chase, chase. So I don't really like wild birds. If you're working with a wild bird person, do what they say. If the person who doesn't say wild birds, don't do wild birds. And then if you finish that relationship and you're like, okay, I'm ready to like do my own thing now, then do whatever you want. But under the toolage of a trainer, you just need to follow their methods. All right. I think that's it for this episode. Where can people find us on the internet? You can find us on Instagram at fieldtrial underscore lifestyle. And please tag us in the field. We'd love to share your stories.